Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Welcome back. Hey. It's Great Lakes Confidential with your host, Angie and Marty. Good morning, afternoon, whatever the case may be. Hello. Hello. So remember last time when we started with County Roots and you were like, yeah, there's only one county that starts with the letter L. I know. I, w- I couldn't think. So That's I said Lenaway. Well, you were, you were right about Lenaway being a county. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and remember, I said Leelanau yeah. County. And I was like, are you sure? Because I think that might be Grand Traverse County. Right. Well, I was correct. There is a Leelanau County. You were correct, because I'm a dope and I wasn't thinking. <laughs> That's all right. So moving on to L's. So also... Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anybody that's new here, we like to start each episode with a segment we call County Roots. And we basically teach you how each county got its name. And we've gone in alphabetical order. And so we are, L L is like halfway through the alphabet, right? Yeah, just about. Just about. So that's where we're at. So if you want to learn more about the counties and the state of Michigan and how they got their names, you're going to have to go back a couple of episodes. So enjoy. Right. Starting first today is Lake County. Lake County was first on the books as Ashcombe County. According to a 1912 research collection by the Michigan Historical Society, it originally may have been named after a Potawatomi chief whose name meant increasing or going farther and was spelled seven different ways on treaties on treaties between 1818 and 1836 a result of inconsistent spellings by English translators. The name was changed to Lake County in 1843. Lapeer County is next. A stony-bottomed portion of the Flint River passes through Lapeer County, giving it its name. Lapeer is a corrupted version of Lapierre, which is French for the stone. Yeah. Leelanau County. Leelanau. Leelanau. Leelanau County, which occupies the Mitten's Pinky Finger. The Leelanau Peninsula? Yeah. I never heard of it called the Pinky. No, I think it's just because, you know, the Leelanau Peninsula. Well, it is right in that area. I know, but I've never heard anybody refer to it as that. Or Traverse City and all that. Yeah. 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 I know. I mean, I guess if you're going to, you know, point out where it's at. I guess. In fact, you're the first person I've heard call it that. Yeah, well, it's because M Live called it that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Occupies the Mitten's Pinky Finger was another county named by Henry Schoolcraft. It said it may have been the pen name of his wife, Jane Johnston Schoolcraft, 
the first known Native American literary writer, or that he may have made up the word based on several languages and claimed it to mean delight of life. Our man Henry Schoolcraft, if we ever open a uh, you know Great Lakes Confidential Hall, Michigan Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. Henry Schoolcraft is in the very first class. He's got to be in there for sure. Lenaway County. Lenaway County's name may or may not be a real word from an indigenous language or else another Henry Schoolcraft word based on Native American languages. Some sources say it means man. Livingston County. Livingston County is another cabinet county, this time named for Edward Livingston, who was Secretary of State under President Andrew Jackson. And finally, Luce County. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, I believe so. Cyrus Luce was the 21st governor of the state of Michigan, serving from 1887 to 1891. Luce County in the Upper Peninsula was named for him. There you go, Mr. Luce, Governor Goose. There's your uh, Governor Goose. (laughs) Mr. Luce, Governor Goose. There's your prize. Thanks for coming. Thanks for your service. Here's your county. Here's your county. So, yes, it's finally spooky season. Spooky season. This is my favorite time of year, aside from my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I know that this this time of year is your favorite because it's fall and you get to wear hoodies and watch football. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Hoodies <laughs> and football. That's That's what I live for. Yeah. Well, I like spooky stuff, so... I'm really excited because we're finally there. And I do have some cute sweaters that I finally get to wear. So. Fantastic. Hooray. Can't wait to see them. Um, also, it is the first anniversary of Great Lakes Confidential. Oh, well, happy anniversary, baby. Oh, thank we you. We did it. Happy anniversary. I am thrilled because this has been like a really fun journey. It really has been. I've learned a lot. I think you've learned some stuff. I've learned some Maybe stuff. Maybe not as much as I have. Oh, I don't know. You've filled in plenty of gaps. That's true. I'm really stoked to keep learning more because, like, honestly, I was like, can we really do a show about Michigan stuff? And, like, are people going to enjoy it? Am I going to get bored? Because I get bored a lot with stuff. And I'm just like, I am not even bored at all. Like, I'm just like, let's keep going because this is amazing. Keep turning turning over the rocks and seeing what's underneath. It's so cool. So... Turn over some Petoskey stones, see what we find underneath. We've also... What a beautiful state. <laughs> we've also made some friends. Mm-hmm. And that's really neat because there are people that we've never actually met in real life. And I feel like this crazy connection to them because we all have the same interest. Yeah. And it's just really, really cool. United so. by our Michigania. Yeah. So thank you guys for for going on this road trip with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for hitching along with us. Stick with us. We appreciate you. You can even pick the radio station next. Don't forget the snacks. Yeah. So we started the show October 1st of mm-hmm. 2021 with episodes about haunted places in Michigan. Uh, we talked about shoe trees. We did two episodes on Northville Psychiatric Hospital. We talked about Beeson Mansion and Crypt, which we actually drove by yeah we took a little road trip all the way down to niles michigan so we could see it and that was really cool and we also talked about some haunted roads in the state Mm -hmm. so for this year's spooky shows i thought it would be really interesting to talk about michigan true crime Ooh, i'm in good you don't have a choice i've locked the doors oh good i turned on the alarm oh goodness so a warning to parents 
this month's show, and particular, particularly this episode, uh, you should probably pre-screen it before you let your little ones listen. Um, it's kind of graphic, and there's it's uncomfortable. So yeah. But interesting. It is interesting. Very interesting. So all the information for this show came from American Hauntings, Wikipedia, Click on Detroit, CriticalMoment.org, LancasterOnline.Newspapers.com, Providentia, and HistoricMysteries.com. This is the most unusual case, commented Wayne County Coroner James Burgess. A single perverted maniac must have killed them, although it seems impossible that some of their screams would not be heard. Benjamino Evangelista was born in Naples, Italy in 1885. Better known as Benny, he immigrated to America in 1904. Originally settling in Philadelphia with his brother Antonio, Benny worked in real estate, but once Benny began having, quote, mystic visions of a very non-Catholic nature, end quote, Antonio disowned him and sent him to live in York, Pennsylvania to work on a railroad construction crew. In York, Benny and his best friend Aurelius Angelino, also an immigrant from Naples, took interest in the occult. So Aurelius Angelino was, uh, he was a little off. Yeah. Okay, so from a 1919 news clipping from the News Journal in Lancaster, PA, quote, Bodies of boy twins hacked to bits with axe by frenzied fiend. In a fiendish and murderous frenzy, Aurelius Angelino, Italian, aged 35 years, living in a shack on Lower Rockland Street, commonly known as the Old Factory Road, killed his twin sons, Edwig and Alfergie, four years old, yesterday about 2 p.m. by crushing their skulls with a club while they lay naked in their bed and afterwards, himself in a nude state, carrying the bodies to the front yard where he hacked and chopped their bodies into pieces with a knife and an axe. Good Lord. He was arrested by the police in the latter act. End quote. Benny, obviously unsettled by the acts of his friend, took off for Detroit where he continued his work in real estate, dabbled in carpentry, and eventually married a woman named Santina. Once settled into Detroit and his new way of life, Benny took up the occult again. On the side, he would perform psychic healings and readings for people for $10, which was about two days worth of factory pay back then. Wow. He did quite well in his business ventures, so he and his family moved into a home on St. Aubin Street near the corner of Mack Avenue. In the basement of the large home, Benny mixed potions, cast spells, carried out sacrifices, wrote and self-published a book called the oldest history of the world discovered by occult science. The book was about 200 pages long, and from what I can gather, was pretty much a collection of insane ramblings. Yeah, this guy went all in on the occult once yeah. he got here. Benny claims the book was, quote, only written between the hours of 12 a.m. and 3 a.m., while he was receiving visions dictated by an amalgamation of Christian biblical figures and fictional deities, end quote. He considered his book to be a Bible of sorts and even started a cult dubbed the Great Union Federation of America. Midwest Italian immigrants followed his religion and services were held at the home on St. Aubin Street. Wow. This was the 20s. There was a lot of that going on around the country. Yeah. So now to the juicy stuff. In the morning of July 3rd, 1929, Benny Evangelista and his family were found dead in their home. A man named Vincent Elias arrived to the St. Aubin home at about 10.30 in the morning to discuss a real estate deal with Benny. He knocked on the front door, and when nobody answered, he went around to the basement entrance. 
He thought it strange to hear no noise in the home upon knocking on the door, given that four children lived there. Anyway, he opened the door to the basement where he found Benny sitting at his desk, dressed for a meeting, hands clasped in front of him as as if in prayer, and his decapitated head lying on the floor. Goodness gracious. Three photos of a child in a coffin were surrounding the head. It was later discovered the child was one of the Evangelista children who had died a few years earlier. Investigators never did learn the reason for the framed photos. Elias immediately left the house and notified the police. Santina Evangelista was found in bed with their youngest child, 18-month-old Mario. Santina's head was nearly severed from her neck. Mario's skull was crushed. Across the hall, the other children, Angelina, 8, Margaret, 5, and Jean, 4, were found in their beds, also with their skulls crushed. One of the girls' arms was partially amputated at the shoulder. There was no sign of a struggle for many of the victims. No money or items appeared to be missing. The only clue left behind was a single bloody fingerprint on a doorknob. So, who was responsible for these vicious crimes? I'd like to know. I don't know. There's theories. One theory was that the Black Hand was responsible. The Black Hand was an Italian criminal society. It was believed that Benny had received death threats from the organization, but this style of killing wasn't really their thing. Also, it would seem the Black Hand was a thing of the past at the time of these murders, so this theory was eventually shot down. Another theory was that it was some guy who did business with Benny. The guy admitted to having visited the home the night before the murders, but with no evidence or confession, the man was removed as a suspect. A third theory is that Aurelius Angelino killed him as revenge. What? Angelino had escaped prison in 1923, never to be heard from again, and given the nature of the murders at the St. Aubin home, it seemed plausible that it was Angelino. Here's a twist for you. Bloody fingerprints discovered in Angelino's home were later found to belong to Benny. So did Benny kill Aurelius's children and frame Aurelius, inadvertently leaving his own fingerprints behind? And did Aurelius escape prison only to track Benny down and kill his family and him as revenge? Possibly. But here's a plot twist to that plot twist. Okay. This is my favorite, and also it was a police favorite at, at the time. What if Benny Evangelista was Aurelius Angelino? Interesting. The murders were never solved. The house on St. Aubin Street was eventually demolished. And this case goes down in history as one of the most notorious unsolved murders in the city of Detroit. Yeah, this is an insane case. Yeah. Just ripe with speculation. Yeah, well, they have no idea what happened. Like, clearly, you know... CSI wasn't a real big <laughs> right. wasn't a real big thing back in the in the early nineteen hundreds. Record keeping was pretty lax. Yeah. No you know, national databases of any sort. Nothing. If they even kept fingerprints on file, probably not. Probably not. And what's interesting about the fingerprint situation is they like they don't know if even though Aurelius Angelino was arrested they didn't have, for some reason, it sounds like they didn't have his fingerprints on any sort of file to check and see if those matched Benny's fingerprints, right? Yeah. So they had the bloody fingerprints in Aurelius's home following the death of his children right. that ended up matching the ones in, or matching Benny's fingerprints. Yeah. 
that, which could make sense if Aurelius was Benny, and that's why they're actually Benny's fingerprints, right? right. I mean, if it's if Benny left a, a bloody fingerprint, I mean, he was at least an accomplice in that whole thing. Yeah. Or, I mean, I guess he could have discovered them and just took off, but that wouldn't make sense, no, right? Why he wouldn't was, he call he, the cops? Aurelius was alive when he was caught. I mean, he was right. chopping up his kids in the front yard. That's what I'm saying. Like, what yeah. if Benny was Benny was there? Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, it doesn't really. Right. Like, unless Benny. Yeah, you're right. Unless somehow, Benny was an accomplice. Right. Because of that, that fingerprint somehow points to him being on the scene as this was going on. So right. he, either he was an accomplice or he was Aurelius. Right. And escaped prison and moved to Detroit to start over. Yeah. Got right back into that occult stuff. It's weird, too, because some of the stories that I found, and I didn't get into a lot of this like in depth because there were so many inconsistencies and contradictions throughout yeah. various stories, but there was one story that said that Aurelius's wife pleaded for him to be released from the insane asylum, mm-hmm. and so he was released. Mm-hmm. But then the other stories say that he escaped prison and was never found again. Right. But there's also no real record of what year Benny left Pennsylvania to come to Michigan. Right. Just and sometime after. Just sometime after. after 1919. Yeah. And this wife situation. Like, there's no more mention of who this wife was. No. But possibly could have been Benny's first wife. Could have been. The photo of the child in the, the, in the coffin could have been his child with her. Maybe. No one knows. Or what if Santina was actually Aurelius's wife? Mm-hmm. What if? Ooh, I just thought of something. What's that? What if Aurelius was locked up, mm-hmm. and part of the plan was that she was going to come to Detroit, and then he would escape and meet her here. Oh, they would both change their names. Yeah, because with the children, they they weren't necessarily Benny's children. Yeah, I yeah. So right. that was another that was another piece that was weird in another story that said that the the children Santina's children weren't Benny's children. Okay. So they could have been Aurelius's in in scare qu- quotes. Well, there. I mean, if Benny and Aurelius were the same person, then yeah. they would have been, unless of course. Oh. What? What if Aurelius's wife? And these other children came to Michigan, mm-hmm. changed their name. Mm-hmm. Benny shows up in Detroit, but mm-hmm. he's already, but he's actually Aurelius. Yeah, and people already know Santina as this this single woman with four children. Right. Then Benny comes along, and that's why everybody thinks that Benny's children aren't Benny's children. Possibly, because they're not Benny's; they're Aurelius, and Benny doesn't even exist. Right. It's a really strange story. It's very strange. There's there was um, mention of like a uh, like delivery drivers that were doing business with Benny. Yeah, something about like delivering wood or something, and which again, it's weird because there's not very they weren't good at record keeping. So I right. don't know who knew that this that these delivery people were supposed to come to the home. Right. that morning but there was a theory that these two delivery drivers were to come to the home that morning to exchange money for wood mm-hmm. but they never showed up 
and nobody ever nobody knows who these delivery drivers were or what company they were from or whatever yeah and the theory was that they didn't show up because they came that night killed them and then skipped town right but how would you know how would anybody in the neighborhood know that these delivery drivers were supposed to be there i mean that i mean neighborhood hearsay but yeah how would they know but even even if it was neighborhood hearsay the other piece of of this is that most of the people in that neighborhood were immigrants yeah and i mean as we know based on other stories throughout history immigrants very rarely would talk to police about anything right so how would they get that piece of information interesting the other thing is is that like you know there was these three theories that maybe aurelius did it or another business person did it or the black hand did it mm-hmm. but benny was known in the neighborhood as being a scam artist yeah and so, you know, he would sell these potions and whatever to people for an exorbitant amount of money, I mean, in the 20s. Right. And then these potions wouldn't work or his spells wouldn't work. Right. And so he had a bunch of people that were extremely angry with him. Right. So the list of suspects was probably fairly <laughs> fairly long to begin with, right? Right. And the whole, I mean, this is the coldest of cases with absolutely no clues left Nothing. on file. So <laughs> we don't even know, like, was was money missing from the home? They they like, said was that anything missing. They said that based on what everybody else knew, it didn't look like the place had been robbed. Yeah, like it, like nothing. You know, things weren't overturned, and you know, right. like the place wasn't ransacked. Like and murder was the priority. Murder was the case. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> I always like to throw that into any conversation I can. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So there's like. There's no, there's no clues. The only, there's no real motive. Right. Like, because it was just, they, I mean. I mean, there's too many motives, really. But there's no clear, like, clear cut motive. But why, why kill the kids? There's several different angles. Unless it was Aurelius. I mean, if we're, I love the idea that Benny and Aurelius are the Mm -hmm. same person. Because that's like movie quality craziness. Yeah, and And also stuff that happened back then. I mean, Yeah, and I love stuff like that. So easy just to like change your name and and go to a new town and start over. Sometimes I think about that and I'm like, I really kind of wish that I lived in that time. Yeah, oh, I hear you. But anyways, so let's pretend that Benny and and Aurelius are not the same person. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I can think of is that Aurelius did do it and that he killed everybody in the house because mm-hmm. Benny had something to do with Aurelius's kids. Yeah. But the weird thing about it too, is that all these bodies were, you know, either they were posed or they were all murdered in, you know, a, a complete state of like, you know, they didn't fight back. They, they were sleeping. They right. had to have been sleeping. But I mean, even Benny, like you must've been posed like that probably. Oh, that's true. How would he have... Like, would he have just sat there while, while someone, you know, chopped his head off? Just sat there with his hands clasped? Unless, you know, he knew it was coming and it was like execution style. Interesting. So he just didn't do anything to save his family? Why? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they got him first while everyone was sleeping. And then went up and just butchered his family. So then it would have had to happen the night before the bodies were found. Right. Or, here's another theory for you. What if Benny killed his family and had somebody kill him for some weird reason, whatever, in a weird murder-suicide, had somebody, you know, decapitate him. Maybe. And leave the scene. 
I mean, I guess when you're that far gone, anything is possible. Yeah. Like, he sounded like a lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've read his book. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just so, like, it's so strange. Yeah. He, like, he developed his own little bizarre cosmology and in the basement of his home, you know, he had, like, paper mache displays of the universe and crazy, like, wax and paper mache, just grotesque, like, dummies that he I built. I saw the, yeah. Yeah, they're so weird looking. They're creepy looking. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it makes you kind of wonder, like, what else he had going on. Yeah. I mean, I think he had a lot going on already. Well, clearly. Yeah. Like, I wonder if, like, he had these, you know, religious fanatics that followed him. Mm -hmm. Is Like, what, could it have been, like, something to do with them? Like... I mean, to me, it definitely seems like the occult played a role in the whole thing somehow, whether or not, you know, it was, you know, a sacrifice, whether or not it was a, a, a... angry you know person who was scammed definitely you know him fooling around with the black arts is what yeah. uh, what got him in trouble i mean and like clearly it's it had to have been like a personal mm-hmm. you don't kill somebody's entire family yeah so brutally without yeah. it being like personal like it sounded like revenge but if it was revenge if it was aurelius that came and killed his family right. and him why what did Benny do to him to make him go off the deep end in that way? Or was he just insane and yeah. that's... Or did Benny, you know, help him murder his kids and get out of the scene before he got caught? And you think maybe he, they were sacrificing his children yeah, and, and he Benny just, took off? And he got away and, and Aurelius oh. got busted and, and was very, you know... Pissed? You'll rue the day. You'll rue the, the day, Benjamino. I mean, I guess that makes more sense than anything else. Yeah, because, it came for revenge. Yeah. Or what if during an occult ceremony, Mr. Evangelist uh, opened a portal to hell and a demon killed his family? Mm. I mean, anything's possible at this point, right? Did you recently watch like Ghostbusters? Well, or something? I, I recently watched Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Maybe in another multiverse, this guy is the Earth Sorcerer Supreme right now. <laughs> and he's a good guy. I mean, I suppose anything is possible at this point. Everything is possible when we're talking about the multiverse. Probably true. Yeah. I'm really curious about this this whole occult situation. Yeah. Just because, I mean... I'm endlessly fascinated whenever the occult is an angle. Like, I want to know how this system works. Yeah. Like, I want it all explained to me. That's why, like, I think you can still find it online if you Google it. Um, Somebody, uh, like, found a, a copy of... Of the the manuscript he wrote, the oldest known history mm-hmm. of the of the world, and um, they transcribed it. Like they found it, like in a New York university, like a New York uh, library. Sorry, and they they transcribed the whole thing, you know, and put a PDF of it online for free. And that's how I found it years ago. And I was flipping through it, and I mean, it's just so like it's you know just just a madman just kind of blabbering on. You yeah. Know? Like he's trying to, I never really got too far into it because it's just, you know, I have ADD and, and the whole thing just seemed too nutty for me. But it seemed, you know, he was basically trying to rewrite his own version of Genesis and how the, the universe was created and, you know, his descriptions of what God looked like. It was all very, like, nutty. You can buy it on Amazon. Oh, somebody published it again? For, um, they have three paper book, paperback versions of it. For $1,600. Oh, wow. Is that the original? 
That's got to mm. be the original for that price. But the thing is in public, uh, would be in the uh, public domain now. So you get a hold of that PDF, you go ahead and print it and sell it for five. This was published in July of 2001. Oh, so some just some yeah. some ripoff artist. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, what if that's Aurelius? He's still alive. It's There's only three available and... Like there's one hardcover it says. Oh wow! No, there's I don't know. You know what? I just thought of a new angle. Hmm. What if Benny and Aurelius were both different people? Aurelius busted out of prison, came to live with the Evangelistas, and at some point, Benny murdered his family, murdered Aurelius, and left him there. You know, so everyone would think that he was dead. Oh. If the fingerprints matched the old place because you know nobody probably knew that aurelius you know was aurelius because right. he was a wanted right. fugitive yeah it's not like they had the internet or right. like unsolved mysteries where they had a tv show to say right. that this guy's on the loose uh, benny was a very peculiar looking man too like there's pictures of him mm-hmm. he's very large ears not like insanely a, large not ears. a good looking fellow no and so you know they would they would be able to if they had his head they'd be able to identify him from photos so it probably wasn't somebody else but who knows it's possible it seems like you know not only are there you know no clues left in this case because it's you know about a hundred years old mm-hmm. now but it doesn't seem like they had the police really you know took a lot of care of of the the evidence you know the chain of custody of the evidence or even took much of the evidence yeah. I think it was just quickly like oh you know. This guy was into some weird stuff, yeah, and that's probably what killed him. Case closed. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't find much that talked about like how you know, like fifteen years later, and right. they still didn't know. You know, it was just like mm, they were perplexed and right kept on moving. You know, and it I was mean, like eh. like a lot of the theories. You know, I don't know if they match with the general accounts of the time, but a lot of the theories too were you know that yeah, he wasn't really a serious occultist. You know, he was just a con man using the occult to make money. Right. So, you know, the crime definitely could have, you know, just been a, you know, partners turning on each other sort of thing in a criminal act. Yeah. I did. Left to look. I found the PDF. Yeah. It's on scribed.com. That sounds about right. S-C-R-I-B-D.com. All right. Well, we got our first book for the book club. Oof. It's about 276 pages. And it's a long 276 pages. It says the text of the oldest history of the world may be used, quoted, copied, and distributed distributed without the publisher's consent as is seen fit by rational people everywhere. Hmm. Well, no, that was written by the person who dictated it or uh, who transcribed it I know, it later, but it's, I think. why would they point out rational people? I don't know, because probably they don't want to like encourage occultism. Yeah, but if you're not a rational person, do you know that you're not a rational person? Not at all. Look at me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, super weird. I'm kind of interested to read it now to see if there's any clues in the in the book mm-hmm. that could lead to what actually happened. I mean, the theory. So far, my two favorite theories are that Benny and Aurelius are the same person. Yeah. Because that's cuckoo bananas, and I love it. Yeah. The other theory is your other is the one that you said that Aurelius came and was living with the family and basically switched places. Like Benny murdered him and, yeah. and made it seem like yeah. his whole family and him, he yeah. was murdered, and now like, Benny just disappeared somewhere right. out of the country. Right. So 
Yeah, I like, I mean, there's still, you know, there's still basically, you know, stolen identity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, honestly, like at this point, stolen identity is really one of the few things that makes sense. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just, I mean, it's all crazy talk, mm-hmm. really. But it's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. If anybody out there knows anything about this this story, about this case, please tell us because the internet is not super helpful. Like most of the stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so much of it is is a modern take on it. Right. And it's, you know, it's basically the same story writ- written over and over and over again right. with minor changes that you can't really figure out, you know. Like contemporary accounts yeah. don't really exist. Not on the internet right. anyway. Right, Like. We might have to check libraries or yeah. historical societies here in the city, see if we could find it. Anything yeah, because there's just not a whole lot on the internet. And and again, like I said, you know, there's there's some some versions of the story say that Aurelius escaped prison, but then right. others say that his wife pleaded for him to be released from the insane asylum. So it's like, w- which one is it? Right. You and know? there's nobody alive that would no. remember this now. I mean, this was ninety some years ago. Yeah, like even if they were alive, they were a baby at the time. Right. So. They it's, wouldn't know. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta know. But maybe things were passed down in family histories. Can you imagine that stories. being the story that you tell your, you know, like your, you, like, Grandpa's from Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's just to think that this was the story that might have been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. Like, oh, did I tell you? Did I ever tell you about the guy that lived down on St. Auburn Street? I mean, you know? I'm sure it was like, talked about. Uh, it. You know, it's. Uh, known as the St. Albans Street Massacre. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that there's so many people that lived in that neighborhood that just didn't say anything. Just weren't talking about right. it. Right. Like, why is that? Just let it happen. Maybe the whole neighborhood was involved. Maybe right. the whole neighborhood was finally like, you know what? We've had enough of these people. It was just like Roadhouse at the end when they all come for Brad, Brad Wesley. Mm-hmm. You know, Red and, and all the other townsfolk come there and you know, they don't care about the J.C. Penny coming to town. They don't care. <laughs> They've had enough of Brad Wesley's garbage. And you know what? Everyone had a hand in killing Brad Wesley, and nobody talked about it. There you have it, folks. Case solved. Case solved. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to talk about on the next episode, but I am excited to let everybody know that we're going back to weekly episodes, at least for the month of October. Because there's a lot of spooky situations. Yeah. A lot of a lot of true lot crime. A lot of true crime we gotta get through. That we wanna talk about. So I am on the fast track mm-hmm. to writing, recording, editing, and blasting it out there. So Boom. you guys will enjoy it. Yes. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. I hope so. Yeah. So I don't know what we're gonna talk about next week, but I hope you'll join us. Again, thank you so much for joining us this last year it's been a wild ride and i'm so happy that you guys came along for it it's been a fun year here's to one more happy anniversary everybody everybody thank you for sticking around bye bye